Commonwealth this week's Devil of Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside. All right, Paul, how's your week been, mate? Hey, Rob, yeah, I'm okay, mate, thank you. Yeah, good to be on the podcast again and looking forward to the show. But yeah, I'm doing all right, mate, I'm looking forward to Easter. I've had a bit of time off work and uh, the festival of rugby league that is Easter. I, mean, I was looking at the League Express today and there's, it seems like there's matches on every day over Easter. There's even a game on Easter Sunday. So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Very excited for it. Yeah. Also, John's got Paul Parkin. How, how's your week uh, been, Parky? Anything fun, exciting happening? Uh, not not greatly. No, it's been, uh, obviously, with no match, it's been a bit, uh, I don't know, a bit slow, really. Just trying to think. I watched quite a bit of rugby, obviously, over the weekend with the, the cup games and everything. But other than that, mm-hmm. it started off quite slowly. But it's, uh, I think we're thundering towards the end now. And obviously, like Paul's just mentioned, the Easter period coming up. So not only uh, rugby league, but obviously family as well and everything else. So it's, uh, yeah, it's getting, to, uh, it's getting to peak time again now. We're getting, we're getting a mad rush. So uh, I love the Easter period. Uh, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad Super League hasn't put a stop to it yet. Um, I know they, they, they're going on about playing too many games. It's that other nonsense. But um, yeah, no, really looking forward to it. And obviously, I missed the the podcast last week, which was I listened to and it. I was blown away. I thought it was brilliant last week. So um, it's good to be back. I didn't want to lose my place. There's too many people vying to get on. Yeah. Um, so a, yeah. So we had a, we had fallouts last week. It was a really really good show. All about learning disability and, and the physical disability and what what the the club are going to do and, and the planning to do parking. It was you know really kind of really opened my eyes about uh, how far the clubs come. Oh, it was fantastic! The work that's gone in 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 what seems a relatively short time to, mm. to organise such a you know a massive thing and the the learning disability thing and 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 even learning more about the kind of physical rugby league uh, side of it where it's you know there are different obviously different challenges and everything else, but it's a specific thing on its own and, mm. and the learning difficulty thing. I mean, that, I mean, the people who are involved in it are, are incredible, obviously to, to take on that responsibility and that work, but it was really, really good. And like you say, I mean, the, the club, you know, from, from five, six years ago where we had a first team, there you go. That's it. You know, it's, it is a community now we've got, you know, we, we're not just like I've said a few times that Paul King said a few weeks ago, we're not box ticking. This is, this is real. This is what the club want. And and I can't help but just just you know heap praise on them for what they're doing. It's it's fantastic, and uh, hopefully we can see it all together in a big festival rugby league at some point where we might get them all playing on the same day. Mm. Um, you know, if we ever get a summer, that'd be that'd be fantastic. Yeah, Craig uh, Fisher and Heather Robinson uh, joined us. If anyone's not listened to it yet, I, you know I strongly advise you to listen to it. It was a fantastic podcast. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I advise you to to tune in and and see what's going on at the coalface. Uh, behind the behind the, the scenes at the club. So, uh, what have I been doing this week? I'm 40 this weekend. Parking, so Ooh. I've been uh, planning for that. That'll be a, that'll be a fun sort of three or four day sort of bender for me. Yeah, 40 on a bank holiday weekend. Can't, it just doesn't get any better than that, does it? No. I mean, you don't. By the way, you don't look a day over uh, well 39. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, no, that'll be that'll be good for you. you, you obviously, I don't know. What you can do spend some time with the family and yeah, chill out a bit. Warrington Thursday, family Friday, more family Saturday, chill day Sunday, uh, so for Monday. So it's all go, really. And Paul, obviously, you know, you can't, uh, you can't got to 
pace yourself like these rugby players who, who play Good Friday, Easter, Monday. If you're celebrating birthdays, you can't go out, go too early, can you? No, that's it. No, that's it. But, you know, 1982 was a good, it was a good year, Rob, wasn't it? it was. you know. All the good people were born then. I was born in '82 as well. A bit, bit, just a few months younger than you, but, uh, but yeah, it was a good year, and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. I mean, like you were just saying there, having your birthday at Easter time is great, but the, the rugby league at Easter, I mean, just going back to, it, I mean, people got about Christmas and all that. I mean, yeah, it's great for the kids and all that, but I've always loved Easter. I don't know what it is. I've always, ever since I left school, I've always had time off work at Easter when I booked time. People, what are you booking time for Easter for? Because it's rugby league. Mm. It's wall to wall rugby league. Even if Salford aren't playing, there's loads of games on the telly. There's loads of local teams on Hornets play Oldham, which is not far mm. from where I live, and stuff like that. You got Wigan and Saints on the telly. And this year, it, with, with us playing Thursday, I might have a chance to better watch Wigan and Saints and all the local guys because you can never normally watch them because we're normally playing on the Friday. So, uh, I mean, I don't know whether I'm right in saying. <laughs> Is this the first time we've played Thursday since the deluge at Lee in 2008? I think it possibly might be when we played there on a Thursday night. So, uh, And I think I spent all day Good Friday in 2008 sat in front of the fire trying to dry out <laughs> <laughs> like pneumonia all day. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you'll have a smashing weekend with your, with your birthday and uh, all the rugby league that's going on as well, mate. Yeah, super exciting. We've got a load of rugby league to talk about. Uh, today, we're going to look back at the, the Wakefield defeat. We're going to look at the reserves at two games they've played since our last podcast. With all the big news coming out of the club through the through the week. We've got Paul's wonderful World Rugby League part of this show. And then we're going to preview the game uh, against Warrington. So we'll start with the defeat against Wakefield. You're listening to Devil in the Detail and this is your Big Match Review. So, Salford defeated, 30 points to 24, Parky away from home against Wakefield. Talk us through it. Uh, tail of two hours, really, wasn't it? We we started off t- too slowly again. Um, I think I mentioned to you after the game, it, it reminded me so much of the whole KR game, our place a few weeks earlier. Um, we just didn't get out of the blocks in that first half. We give away a big lead and it, it's virtually impossible to claw it back. Um, we had a good go, by the way. I won't, you know, I can't, I can't deny that we had a, a real shot. But you can't sort of in the last forty minutes of a game, you, you can't put that much effort in for a full forty and, and you know pull back that many tries. We we were poor in the first half, but really poor. Some of our passing again was was wayward. We we didn't seem to have a direction when we did have the ball. It was all panic. Um, and I, you know we've said it a few times. Great playing off the cuff, but. You need to set things up a little bit better rather than, you know, getting a set on their line and then fourth tackle, just kicking it through to nobody or throwing a silly pass out. You know, build pressure. If, if you can't score, you know, get a drop out, keep building. I saw I saw Wigan at the weekend play against Wakefield. That's exactly what they did at times. You weren't going to score every time. You set it up, you work to it. Mm. Um, so that was disappointing. But second half, incredible. I thought at one part, I thought we were going to do it. I thought, you know, we had them on the on the rope. I think if the game goes on an extra 10, 15, maybe, maybe we do. But we just left ourselves too much to do again. And we, we can't keep doing that. We've got to start stronger. And even if you're behind at our time, keep it closer. Because if you're giving, you know, 20 points to a team, 18, like we did against all KR, that's a lot to bring back in 40 minutes in Super League, as, as you're tiring as well as the opposition. So we just need to start better. Um but it was a, a poor first half and 
uh, a much improved second. It, like I say, it was a tale of two halves. Yeah, I think obviously the first half, Tom Johnston, Paul, you know, scared to death of him, pace to burn. I know he's try. Which is a little bit controversial, kind of a momentum forward pass that kind of pushed Wakefield clear and probably made a difference in, in the in the long run. But looking back, like Parky said, uh, GP gameplay intelligence wasn't wasn't the greatest. I was looking back at the was it the Lynn try where we kick through, they make a kind of an half break, we kind of half tackle him, and instead mm. of sort of sort of killing the get killing the, the play and dropping on the tackler, we let him play the ball quick and he's up and he's away, and Lynn goes 40, well, 60 meters and scores. Gameplay intelligence isn't just about attacking, it's about defending as well. And I thought at that point uh, we we were lacking there. Yeah, it was. I think our contact and defence again was poor. Got off on the on the on the back foot, and yeah, you can say one of the Wakefield tries was a forward pass. But I think if you if you look at the the game on a whole in that first half, they were the miles better side. Mm. They were more hungry for it, and I think with us, our last tackle plays half the time with that indecisive. Nobody knows what they're going to do. And when you're indecisive like that, nobody reads the play. Wakefield picked the ball up. Wakefield marched down the other end and scored. So, you you know, I think there was one where Andy Eckers, he, he, was, he, was, he put a kick through or something. Somebody did something. And, but no one read it. And we were sort of all stood around not knowing what we were going to do. And, you know, Tom Johnston, I mean, you got to credit him. He only played 40 minutes. And he got man of the match. And no one laid a glove on him. But he's, he's the perfect player. We kept kicking to him. And I thought, why do we keep dollying the ball to him? I mean, he's got power and pace. It's a lethal combination because he's dead hard to tackle. It's like a jack-in-a-box. And he's got so much power and strength and you, you're just dollying in, getting him to come on it. He's like chucking for a dog and letting it run back at you. And I just couldn't believe the way we were playing there. And, and no, I thought they bossed it, Wakefield. I thought they deserved the lead. And yeah, we come back at them in the second half. But I, I did expect that because they had a big cup tied a week after. So there was obviously they were going to take Johnston off and put the cue on the rat because I think they thought they got the game won. So, so yeah, I think the second half for us papered over some of the cracks. I think we was poor. We was poor again. And um, everyone keeps saying, oh, Warrington are this, that and the other. Warrington are going to come good sooner rather than later. They've got some good players and we can't afford to let them go 18-0 up against us on, on Thursday night because we're going to get steamrolled. We need to be switched on from, from minute one. Um, but, yeah, there were, there were some good signs in that second half. I mean, I thought... Brody Croft, Mark Sneed, Ryan Briley, they linked up well and we, we showed some good uh, attacking signs. But that defence, that goal line defence as well, for me, it's soft. It needs to be tighter. There's got to be a bit more desire to defend that line because at the moment we're easy to score points against. Yeah. I thought Sitaleka Akawala was, was immense in that second half. So was Sam Luckley. Like Parky said, Hulking, it was like Hulkington Rovers all over again. We ran the throttle in that second half and just ran out of gas and ran out of time in the end. But obviously, Paul Rowley will, was happy with, with the, the second half performance. And you score five tries away from home, Parker. You expect to win. So defeat probably was a bit of disappointment for him. Yeah, I mean, like you just said there, you score five tries away, you should win the game. Um... But we didn't because we were miles off in that first party. Just going back to what you said about that that Reese Lynn try as well. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. What good teams do and good clever players do is give a penalty away in that yeah. situation. You, you lie on that extra few seconds, kill the play, get your line set. You know, everyone moans about penalty. We give stupid penalties away at stupid times. Yeah. You watch St. Helens give penalties away. They'll give as many away in a game as we will. But it's where they do it and when they do it. And they'll slow you down on that first tackle to make sure they're set. And if they give a penalty away, they've got enough confidence to say, 
well, it's all right, you're not going any further because now we've, we're set for you, we're ready. You're not making any of these breaks. And again, like Paul said there about kicking, kicking to, to John Johnston, are we the only team that doesn't know he's probably the most dangerous winger in the league? Virtually, besides probably Tommy Makinson and, and Kenny Seo. You know, don't kick to him. Kick away from him. If you, if you are going to kick to him, put it along the ground, make him bend his back, put a bit of pressure on him. All we were doing was just lofting the ball into his hands with no pressure. It was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, Paul Rowley, he will be happy with the second half because there was there was a spark there. There was a, we, we built a bit of momentum. And how many times do you see it in, in Super League these days that once a team gets on top, they can become unstoppable. But he's got to concentrate on what happens in the first half. He's got to drill it into them that you can't be 18 points behind in Super League. It's not, it's not acceptable and you won't win games. You will lose, you know, 90% of the games that you're playing if you're going to do that. It's getting tight now. It's getting really tight. Wakefield obviously beat us. They, they were one of the favourites for the drop. Toulouse looked like they picked up a little bit of form and maybe, you know, going forward. And we seem to be going backwards a little bit at the moment. And that's that's a worry going forward, you know. And hopefully it can start this week. We've had a week off. We've had a time to, to adjust and hopefully rest a few bodies. But I I don't know. I mean, I listened to Paul Rowley with you in it after the game and... Um, I don't know. I don't. I understand what he does, and he, he diffuses situations, and he tries to smooth things over. But I think he, he needs to just. I don't know. Show his uh, show his disappointment a bit more mm. uh, in that, especially that first half, and say that it's not. You know, just tell us it's not good enough. We know it's not good enough, but we want to hear it from the top man. Um, and let's not just sugarcoat it and say, well, we we're better in the second half. Yeah, we couldn't get any worse. So of course we were. Um, a lot of work to do. And uh, I, I know we're missing certain per- personnel and we're not strong in the pack, but we've got to make the best of a bad situation at the moment. I don't think we're doing it. Yeah, I don't think I can ask Paul Rowley why he keeps kicking to their best player. It's, uh, you know, back of a fag packet coaching. Uh, you kick it to their best players when he gets it in the first tackle. As long as you tackle him, then... He'll have to get it. May, might take him two or three tackles to get back in position, so then he's less of a threat. That might be something to do with it, Paul. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I can think back to the, the try he scored, I think it was the one before half time. Not going to name any names here, Rob, but uh, Johnston walked through about four solver yeah. players there who, who didn't lay a hand on him, and I thought that was pathetic defense. It was, and yeah, he's I'm Parkish, right? You can't go around sugarcoating stuff. He wasn't good enough, he's not good enough, and and the thing what worries me a bit now is, yeah, we've got two tough games coming up Easter, Warrington and, and, and Catalans, and we've got Wigan and Saints. To lose, right, looking at the fixtures today, they play Catalan in a derby, which is going to be a tough game. Then they play Ulkayar on the Monday in Toulouse. So that is a game I think they can win, because Ulkayar are playing all in the big derby. They've got a flyover to France. So if they pick two points up there, they're right behind your coattails. At Easter time, there's not many sides that win both the matches for me. So teams are going to pick points up. St. Helens will probably win both games or, you know, teams like that because they've got the, the strength in numbers. But a lot of the other sides, you know, you win one, you lose one, don't you? And, and I just don't want to get to the situation in a month's time where those sides below us have caught us up because at the moment we've got a bit of a cushion, haven't we? But like Parky said before, it's becoming a bit 
alarming at the moment the way we're playing. We've not played well for a few weeks, have we? I mean, yeah, we're playing hard against Leeds, but the Wigan game was disappointing. Wakefield game was poor. So we need to stop that rot really now and um, and, and start better in games because, you know, like you said, the OKR game was a mirror image of that one. We, we're not putting together 80-minute performances. Mm. We're all right in little patches here and there and that's not going to win your matches. And, you know, it might not keep you up. So, um, yeah, we need to... I'm not ringing the alarm bell saying we're going to get relegated, but... I don't know that that defeat at Wakefield. I thought was it was a disappointing one. Really, was it? I mean, they're not a great side. Wakefield, they're a side we should be beating. Yeah, obviously positives. Two tries from Reese Williams. Two tries for Ken Seal. One from Dion Cross. Parkyar backs sharp in that second half. Yeah, well, when we get on top uh, and we give them a chance, then then yeah. But you know, first of all, we've got to do something with the ball and keep hold of it um, and build that. Like I say, build the pressure, build the threat. We, we don't do that. And the amount of times in that first half where, again, like Paul said, it'd be a last play and someone would just do something. Someone would get the ball and kick it off. Just, and everyone would be looking around, going, well, what was that for? What, you know, nobody's aware of what's going on. Nobody's talking. Doesn't look like there's a plan move. I don't know if there is. You know, it's, like I say, it's great playing off the cuff, but you, there's got to be times when you've got to be structured. Um, and, and we just, we're not playing like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, our backline, we've said it all year, our backlines, if you can get everybody fit, is probably as good as most in, in the league. It's our forwards where the problems are going to lie. Um, I mean, Kenny Seo, you give him a chance, he's going to score. You know, he doesn't waste many, does he? he? He won't, he doesn't get dragged into touch, he doesn't drop the ball very often. When he does, it's a massive shot. Reese Williams took his chance well this week, really did. Uh, you know, we do, when I read that Burgess wasn't playing, I was a bit a bit deflated because uh, obviously, you know, Wakey have got a bit of pace out wide as well. And I was a bit bit worried because I don't think Reese played brilliantly at Wigan. He wasn't he wasn't shocking, but I think he, he just looked a bit out and, and off the pace. Um, and Dion Cross, well, simply for us, he's the find of the season and possibly one of the finds of the season for Super League. He's, he's just been an absolute diamond for us. He doesn't make mistakes. He's another one. Um and, uh, and he, you know, obviously knows where the line is. He was a winger, so he, he can score. But we need to set up the uh, the platform for him. If we do that, we, we've got a great chance. I think one of the disappointments for me at the moment is, it, I, I, you know, I hate naming names, but I don't think Mark Sneed's, Sneed's doing enough. I don't think he's creating enough. I don't think he's controlling enough. Um, Brody Croft, when, when we get on top, he's he's a real threat. He, these little balls he plays or takes on the line and, you know, generally gets his head through and looks round. I don't think Sneedy's doing enough at the moment. That's that's my worry. If him and, and Crofty can click, again, that back line's tremendous. We, we, we could easily do teams, but there's, a, I mean, there's other players, don't get me wrong, I'm not just picking him out, but there are other players who aren't really pulling up any trees at the moment. But that's that's where we need to improve. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, going on. I was looking at the match, man of the match reports we do every week, and first game of the season, Mark Sneed absolutely ran away with it. Mm. The man of the match, Paul, no, not a problem. He's not won a single point since, you know, and that's your scrum half, that's your main man. This is a man who's won, you know, the Lance Todd. Let, let, he has got the quality. He just needs to step up now and take it, you know, take control. He's our leader. He was our big coup in the, you know, in, in the winter. Coming into this season, he was the main man. And if he starts to turn it on and lead us around the pitch, 
we're going to have a much better chance. I know he's got to rely on the forwards to make meters and give him a bit of space, but I think he just needs to start getting all of the game a little bit more now. Yeah, it's going to obviously the partnership with uh, Brody Croft, Brody Croft, Paul is developing. Let, let's let's say, and Max Need, yeah, he, he started off well, um, but we did score five tries away from home, so it's not like we're we're you know five drives and a kick uh, all game. Conceded five as well though. <laughs> so he's all right scoring five, but he conceded five. So, and I, I get what Paul's saying about Mark Sneed. I mean, that if you go back to that game against Cass uh, at the start of the season, he bossed that game for us, and he's not been that same player since. Uh, whether that's a down to a confidence issue, I, I remember the game at Hull. That that game seems to knock him backwards a bit mm. when we went there, and he's not really been been right since then. And you know, he, he sorry, you got to give players time on that, but. How long do you give him? I mean, there's there's a there's a player waiting really patiently in Chris Atkin. Um and I'm not saying for one minute drop Mark Steen. I mean, that's that's not my job to come on here and say stuff like that. But you've you've got to play well, and I, I feel for Chris because I, I think Chris is a real good player, and he's he's on the edge at the moment. And, and to be honest, I'd have him in the team. I'd have him on the bench definitely for for replacement Ucker. Um, and I, because I think he 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 contributes. So, uh, but no, I'd like Max need to, to grab the game by the scruff of the neck. This weekend's perfect opportunity for him. Now, it's a big Easter weekend, and uh, you know Warrington, it's going to be a tough game going there. And um, you know I think they've got a few players out. I think George Williams is out for them, and one or two others. So that could be the game that Max need you know bosses it. And and if he can get on top, we know what his kicking game's like. I mean. Mm. He's kicking him tremendous at times, isn't it? So um, if he if he can get on top there, and that that could get us the result. But he, I think he just needs to dominate the games a bit more. Yeah, uh, the man who makes the big decisions, Paul Rowler. He spoke to you, Paul, after the game, and this is what he had to say. Coach's corner. Right, Paul Rowley joins me. Did you leave yourselves a bit too much to do in that second half? You know, twenty-four-four down. You come back. Just not, just not quite there. 100%. Yeah, uh, just said to Radio Manchester there, we dipped our toe in the water and you can't do it. So uh, we weren't resilient enough defensively for sure. Um, you know, and uh, to be fair, when when they played a simple plan which we had in place, it was really good. You know, we we rolled them up the middle. We were good with the ball. We scored five tries, and then that should be enough for a win. But uh, you can't win in in any league if you're not willing to defend bend your back and defend so. So uh, whilst they try hard, and they always do, and the, and the great group who, who you know, the, the bond and camaraderie is, is second to none, probably best I've ever experienced in my life. But um, you know, you've got to you've got to put that alongside uh, toughness and resilience, and, and and that they're the attributes you need to defend. What did he say to the lads at half time? Because it just seemed a totally yeah. different sort of side at the start of that second half. He built pressure. You seemed a bit more patient with the ball on the last tackle. Was it a big sort of speech you had to give at half time? <laughs> well. It's it's similar to we've done before, you know. It's, I'm not I'm not saying saying anything uh, out of the ordinary. It's the boys know the angle I'm going to take straight away, and it's everything I've just told you now. So um, you know, with it with a bit of, a bit of fire in my belly, obviously. But you know, we we should have that anyway. We're Super League players, so um, everybody should have fire in their belly and come out ready to attack through the day, not to, not see what the other team's going to offer. And try and chase something. So, uh, but that's that's about being uh, mentally tough. And um, you know, we spoke about that consistency at the beginning of the year. It's tough being uh, being consistent. Is tough and being a champion, being a winner is tough. So uh, nobody's going to give it us. We've got to go and take it. And 
you know, we're offered an opportunity and we're offered a lot of jeopardy as well, comes with the territory, but uh, ultimately we can, we can go round the houses, but you've got to play tough and that's indeed. Just looking back at that second half, positives in there, there's some good tries there. Reese Williams, I think he deserves a special mention. He's yeah. waited patiently for his, his chance in the team this season. Played pretty yeah. well at Wigan last week, took his tries well this week. Yeah, it, um, there's loads of positives to be fair, uh, all in attack all in attack but we're really good I thought both our pivots had a really good dig in attack as well which is, is a plus and, and, and they earn the, the right to voice their opinion in, in, in other things now amongst the team so um, yeah and then on to Dragon on to Reese. Uh, yeah he's been good he's, he's, he's really hard not not picking uh, Reese, who's, who's so consistent and so good but you know we've got three class wingers at the club in, uh, in Budgie and in Ken. So, uh, yeah, you know, fair play to him for being patient and fair play to him for coming here and, uh, and being fantastic. You had to shuffle the team round today. You, you've lost your back row in James Green yeah. last week. Shane Wright's out. How do you think the lads went? You, you put uh, Jack on right at the back there. Elijah Taylor, you shuffled those round. I thought Jack at, at times looked, looked good out there running that way. He's a big lad, isn't he? Yeah, well, Lannan was back row and, and uh, Elijah was back row. They, they played 80 minutes, both of them. So, um, yeah, you'd like back rowers in, wouldn't you? But uh, it is what it is. So unless someone's going to chuck us a load of money and buy us a couple of back rowers, then uh, you know we'll, we'll, we'll go with them two boys. But to be fair to them, and like the rest of the lads, they, they'll uh, they, they, they try their heart out. They'll never give up. And, uh, and I thought they actually both played pretty well today. They're all right. A couple of lads went out on loan this week. Have you got yeah. any signs of getting anybody in on loan you know, to, to shore up that back row? Is there anything irons in the fire? Or? No, we haven't got any money to get anybody on loan. So, uh, you know, that's the, that's the whole purpose of it. They're not playing for us. There's a week off, obviously, next week. So there's two there's two objectives. One, to get a game in before that Easter period. Uh, and two, to get money in. And it's as quite as simple as that. So, um, you know, I, I, ideally I'd have every player here and nobody out on loan. But that's not the club that we are at Salford, is it? That's, that's not where we're at. So... Um, I'd love to be uh, in that position, but uh, unless someone wants to come in with the millions, then then we're not. So uh, we're, we're a club that works hard and and, uh, and fights and scraps for everything we've got, uh, and, and has tried to be as resourceful as we can with uh, you know finances. Now we rotate and utilise our attributes. You'd love to be in the cup quarterfinals, but you've got a week off next week. How do you use that now? You've got to use that to prepare for East. It's a big game against Warrington, a derby game really for Salford. Yeah. You must be looking forward to that. Yeah, they're all they're all big games and. Um, yeah, it's like we'll have a few days now to chill out. Uh, I think every opportunity we get to to have a you know give the boys a little bit of a break physically and, and mentally is important because we've got games coming thick and fast. We've got um, unbelievable run of games to be fair. Sets where we're going to wear Catalan at home, Warrington um, away. So hey, it doesn't get any easier. So we didn't want to mention that that, that nah, run too. Well, you know. we're aware of it, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. There's opportunity, there's jeopardy. So. Um, I, I'll be honest, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty chilled because we, we kind of know everything is there. It's quite evident where we go wrong. It's quite evident where we go right. So uh, it is what it is. And, uh, and we'll keep making sure we prepare the team the best we can. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the boys are happy and working hard and uh, we just we just need to be more resilient indeed. It's really simple and uh, well, simple to say. Uh, Obviously not so simple to do, but that's what we've got to aspire to be. Thanks very much for speaking to us, Paul. No worries. Thank you. So that was Paul Rowley talking to yourself. Paul, he said that basically we left too much to do in that second half. He was happy with the five tribes. He was positive in, in attack, uh, but obviously weren't happy about the contact and uh, no resilience and toughness in defence. No, that's right. Um, I, I don't think he was dead happy. 
Um, I was sat with, with with Trevor Hunt, and he came up to speak to Trevor for Radio Manchester, and I just said to him, oh, "Can I can I tag you in and have a chat with?" And uh, yeah, he, I'm not saying he was in a bit of a mood, but you can tell by his body language when he first yeah. speaks to him that he's that he's a bit miffed with it all, and you know he's he's bound to be he's bound to be frustrated because it's not been it's not been all plain sailing, has it? And it, it, it defeats are difficult, but I think the the main thing for supporters and the coaches staff at the moment is, like I said before, it's frustrating because you're not putting an eighty minute performance together. So you're obviously you're showing signs in that second half, but the game's gone. I mean, I come away from that game and I speak to my dad on the way home, and it's like that that game's there for the taking, really. You know, we we showed in that second half we we can we, we can dominate Wakefield, but you, you can't afford to to give them that sort of lead. So you come away from it frustrated, kicking yourself, thinking that's two points we've sort of gone down the swanee, really. So um, so yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the league table at the moment and thinking, yeah, three wins is all right, but it probably could be better than than what it is at the moment. So um, so yeah, I don't think we're a million miles off, but. Is the, is the mitigating circumstances? I, I think maybe. I think we're missing players in the forwards, aren't we? I think that that sort of body blow in the back row, losing your two back rowers, I think that's, that's been a big blow for us, like losing Shane Wright and, and James Greenwood as well. So, so yeah, it's like, it's like Paul Rowley said in the, in the interview, though, we've just got to, we've just got to do the tough stuff and, and, and do what we can and deal with it now, because we've not got multi-million pounds to sort of bring players in. So it's um, it's just getting, getting through the situation. Yeah, full of praise for Elijah Taylor and Ryan Lannon at Parky about the stint they put in uh, in that second row. But yeah, I suppose it's about consistency and hoping that we can uh, we can get through this tough period. Yeah, like Paul just said there, we, we, we prove we've got it. You know, in patches in games, we, we're a real threat. Like say, he scored five tries last week away at, at, at Wakefield, which... They're in a bit of form as well. I think you know it was the fourth game on the bounce. They'd won. You know they're not they're no dummies, especially on their own patch. We have got it. We, we just don't we don't switch on for eighty minutes. We don't concentrate. Certainly in defence, we get really sloppy at times and let teams score simple tries. Like I said there about the one with Johnson, just dance around God knows how many players. I mean that's that's unacceptable for this level. Um, but, yeah, we have got to get through it. And the Eastern's going to be very difficult. I mean, again, going off what Paul said there, teams like Saints will probably go back-to-back back and win them both. I mean, they're all right, they're exceptional. But because of the depth of squad, you know, they'll be bringing players in that we had, you know, we had on loan last year. You know, they'll be taking that, that step. We haven't got that. So how do we back up two games with already the players we've lost? How do we do it? I don't know. It's going to be very, very tough. But... This is this is rugby league. This is rugby league at the highest level, and these lads, you know, I've got to prove that they're good enough for this level. Um, and it, the, the next the next month, well, the next four games, if you like, are going to be just ridiculously tough. Mm. But we've got to get through it. You've got to play everybody. You know, there's no no hiding place in Super League. And um, I mean, Warrington, like we say, I know we're going to Warrington later, but they're not in great form. They're dude, they're a good team, and they will come good. And I've got no doubt about that. I think they'll still be in the mix at the end of the year. But is it a chance for us? You know, we've had a week off as well. You know, we, we analyse their weaknesses because obviously they'll, they'll be fragile. If we get off to a good start, who knows? But, um, yeah, just, just sort of wrapping up the, the, the Wakefield performance, we, we, we proved we could we beat them. We could have done if we'd have just started a little bit stronger and stayed in the, the arm wrestle a little bit longer. But, um, no, there are signs that we've got something, but we just need to do it for 80 minutes. 
yeah, looking at the stats, uh, Parker, uh, tacklers, Alex Gerrard, 35, Andy Akers, 41, Elijah Taylor, 35, King Vunayaya, 36, Ryan Lannan, 30, uh, Jack Allman Roy, 17, and Sam Luckley, 21. Uh, working hard there, uh, Paul, the forwards, grafting. Not working hard enough, though. No. <laughs> Not working hard tackles enough. Tackles are there, Yeah, though. yeah, the, the stats. That's that, yeah, but there's a lot of missed tackles as well. I mean, you can, we, we, I know we say that every week, don't we? But go work harder off this level. You've got to work harder and you've got to do more. And um, I think there's certain forwards who, who know that. I think they've got to make more metres than what they make. And you, yeah, they, they're working hard, but you, you, you've got to work harder. You, if you want to finish in that playoffs and be in that top six, you, you've got to be ruthless. I mean, look at that James Roby at St. Helens. I mean, the, the metres he makes every week. I mean, was talking to somebody about him today. He's probably not like a, a sort of Cameron Smith sort of player. He's just like Mr. Mr. Perpetual Motion. Just mm. keeps going like a Duracell bunny. Mm. That's 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 what you want. Anyone can do that. You'd have to have talent to do that. I mean, obviously he's a talented player, but you've got you've got to you've got to die for the cause. I mean, you've got to put it in. And I don't know. Do, do we put it in every week? I mean, I'm not asking Salford to be like the Australian kangaroos. All I'm asking for is. 100% effort and you know do, do that do that little bit more so so yeah the, 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 there's hard work going on there but I want to see a bit more I want to see that goal line defence be stronger and, and, and tougher because it's easy to break down at the moment how many tries do we concede from kicks short kicks soft stuff I think the, the, the soft tries like you cut those mistakes out and, and, and you're going to hang on in games a bit more so so yeah the, the lads are working hard but let's just see a bit more yeah top meter makers One, two, uh, Reese Williams 122 <laughs> Ken Seal, 137. Tim Lafayette, 108. Uh, forwards, Sitaleka Akawala, 60. Elijah Taylor, 91. King Bunny Ayawa, 105. Ryan Lannan, 75. Sam Luckley with 71. So, obviously, I always say that if you get four or five over 100, then you're going in the right direction. We got four, and that's why we're, we're close, but not close enough. Yeah, I think, obviously, just going back to what you said about Taylor as well. Um, he's he's a real workhorse, isn't he? Uh, he's in both them them stats there as one of the top tacklers and top meter makers, and that's you get that every week. And that's going back again to what Paul said about are all the players doing that? Are they all putting it in like that? Do they all care as much? Uh, I've I've seen comments of, from people saying on social media asking what what does Elijah Taylor bring to us? And I, I, I scratch my head and I think these are people who, who I I have faith in knowing a bit about rugby league. The, the guy's a machine, an absolute machine. He does not stop. He's a leader on the pitch. He's not going to do the flashy stuff. That's not him. If you are loose forward like Paul Sculthorpe, then fine. I mean, we'd all love one, but they don't exist that often. You know, he's a worker. And, and this week, again, he's just proven what, what, what graft he puts in. Hmm. Um, I, I, I just think he's, he's a delight to have in your team. And I'm sure... If you ask Paul Rowley, I'm sure he's the first name on the sheet every week. Um, but going forward, yeah, big king again. He, he was he was decent. I thought for me, my my and I know you'll read him out a bit. My man of the match was Sam Luckley. Mm. I thought he just did everything in his time on the pitch. You know, he doesn't he didn't play that long. He's been out for a few weeks, so getting his match fitness back. As soon as he came on, he made a difference. You just saw the the effort on him, and he, he he takes responsibility when he takes the ball, and he's no. He doesn't shy out of the game. Um, and, and then again, you know, you've mentioned he did, you know, tackles as well. I mean, uh, that that's what I want from my players. I want players just to put the nut down. I'm not asking them. They're not all world beaters. They never will be. 
but just do you, you know, do your bit. And that's if we had, you know, seventeen of them every week, you won't go far wrong. But uh, yeah, the, the defense was was spread out a bit this week, wasn't it? it was quite a bit of work. Um, and then on the attack, I mean, you expect the backs to get get a few meters. Tim Laffey in there again, who has been again another great signing this year. He's he, he really does put the work in. But um, yeah, it's just got to all come together, hasn't it? And like Paul said, you know, a little bit more, and let's do it for eighty minutes. Yeah, big thanks for your three-word match reports and man of the matches. Uh, we'll start with you, Parker. Slow starters again, Sam Luckley. Matt Carr onto Warrington. His man of the match was Sam Luckley. Adam, definition of madness, Taylor. Mark, wide awake club, King Bunyaya. Phil Rogers must start better. John Waite, some amateur defending, Taylor. And finally, Arthur Bollard, sloppy defence, Taylor. So... I suppose, hearted by that first half, Paul. Battle back centre, second half, ran out of juice in the end. Well, that allowed you Taylor didn't do too bad, then, does he? Because he got he got like three or four there. I saw that comment on social media. I don't know who it was. But, yeah, everyone's attacked to the opinion. But I, I, I'm in this, the same boat. You watch Taylor and, and the work that he does. And, and I think the vocalness of him and, and the presence of him and the, the sort of human being that he is, he'd be first on team sheet for me just for his leadership skills and, and you can see the effort he puts in. You look at him and he walks off the pitch, he's absolutely fagged out because he's worked his socks off and he does it every week. So, so yeah, I understand what people say sometimes because people sort of notice the flashy stuff and things like that. So I, I do get that. But I thought I thought Taylor was, was great again on, uh, on on Sunday. Just a shame that breakthrough, uh, he couldn't have got that ball to Ryan Bryler because that, that could have been a big changing moment in the game. That So, uh, so yeah, I don't think I put a man in the match, really. I, I wasn't too sure who to, who to go for. But I thought, I thought Taylor was good again and uh, know some big performances. And King Vunny Ayo, who, who we mention every week, I think I've been really impressed with him. I think he'll get better as the season goes on. I think, you know, like, like Tim Laffey as well. I mean, talking to somebody about him the other day, what a find he's been. He's Every week, you know, you mentioned Dion Cross before. I think Dion Cross is one of those players who's an 8 out of 10 every week. I think Tim Laffey is an 8 out of 10 every week. Don't think, you don't really see him do many poor things. Everything he does is he's more or less right. You know, not, nothing flashy, but everything he does is perfect. You know, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And if you've got blokes like that in your team, you, you're halfway there. Yeah. I think Elijah Taylor is better suited for the second row for what he does, which is make his tackles, make his yards, drive people on. Uh, personally, I like a pivot as me lose as me lose forward, uh, but that's not his game. Parker, his game is to is to work hard, grasp, make tackles, and obviously he's played second row because we haven't got any second rows. But for me, I had to keep him there. Yeah, maybe uh, the, the the question is then who plays loose forward. Who wow. is that pivot? We, I, I don't think we've got one in the in the squad in that way. I don't think we've got a real ball playing forward. Perhaps maybe you know Harvey Levet when he comes back, mm. if if we get him back at any time soon. I think he's got that about him. But yeah, again, he, he's a second rower himself. So does he want to play? Luke? I don't know. It's it's a tough one. Um, I'd like to see him in the, back in the squad. By the way, uh, but that that's the problem you've got. If you move Taylor from loose forward. Have we got anybody who's going to do anything different to what he does? Uh, and I don't think we have at the moment. Um, I understand what you're saying. And Taylor could easily play anywhere in the pack. I know he's played hooker in the past in Australia. So, you know, he's that versatile around that that, that pack. I'm sure he could go propping if you wanted him to. But, um, 
yeah, the, the loose forward is a bit of a bit of a tricky one, really, for us, isn't it, at the moment? But uh, I think you might have to stay in the back row with with our injuries mm. in the second row. Yeah, I agree with that. I think obviously he works hard, and obviously that makes up for obviously not having a, a specialist second row. And obviously with Lannon there as well. And um, I think that you know they played really well on on Sunday, and uh, I think it was Armand Royd at loose forward. Paul, I thought he looked okay running wide, running at smaller defenders. Uh, obviously, it was not a forward, so he's not uh, ball handling, but he's uh, he's finding space. I think going forward for me, Jack Armand will probably be better suited to play in the second row. He's got a bit of pace and he's a big lad. Um, you know, if we can get him on the training field, running out wide, running in the channels, a bit like um, when we first got Andy Coley when he came over from from Swinton, he had a lot of pace, and I think in the end he became a prop. But a lot of his best years at Salford were in the back row. So you know, Jack Armour could be that sort of guy. I, I like that in teams having big uh, back rows. I mean, look at Farrell, Liam Farrell at Wigan. How many tries has he scored in his career? He scores more tries than a lot of wingers do because of the way he plays the game. So I, I'd like to see... Yeah, I think that could be a possibility for Armour. I'm not saying loose forward. Because I think people in rugby league forget loose forward is probably one of the most important positions on the pitch because it's that link between mm. your, your your forwards and your backs. You're the sweeper. You're everything. I mean, some of the best players I've seen at Solver have been, have been loose forward players. I mean, look, Mark Flanagan was... You know the, the job he did was tremendous. I think we've missed him. We've never really replaced him since he's since he's gone. So it's a specialist position. And like Parky said, I don't think there's anybody else. I know Danny Addy's played there, but for me, he's not a loose forward. Never in the memory of man. Um, he's more of a utility sort of forward, really. So or a bit of a hooker. He's not big enough for loose forward. So I don't think we've got anybody else at the club at the moment who who can do that job. I must admit. I'm really looking forward to seeing Harvey Levette coming back. I think he's a quality, quality player and just been such a shame he's had injuries because he'll be like a brand new player for us. And, you know, he was going great for us last year till he went out. So could he be the guy that steps in there, can move the ball about? We'll have to wait and see. But one guy who I think deserves a shout out from me in particular is Ryan Lannan because I've been a bit of a critic of him in the past. And, um, you know, just thinking the other day, he's been playing really well. And I think he's probably our longest serving player as well. I was having a lot of reading an old program the other day. He's been at Salford some years now. I mean, I know he left to go to Ulkar, didn't he? But um, <clears> he's, uh, he's probably put a few appearances in. And I think he's worked hard the last few weeks, so he deserves a pat on the back. I suppose he has that extra responsibility, Parky, of being the only second row. So he's got to make sure that he does what he needs to do, right? Rather than uh, get pinged or whatever for penalties. He can't. We can't afford to lose him uh, when the situation we're in. Yeah, I think probably Paul Rowley's had a word with him as well to uh, to kind of say to him, look, you, you're not a young lad anymore. You know, this is this is your time now. You're in the prime. This is where you make your mark going forward. And he he, he flies to deceive sometimes. I, I don't know if I've said it on here before, but I know I've said it plenty of times in the in the South Stand and stuff. But when he came through, uh, and it was obviously related to Gareth Hockey in some way, isn't it? He reminded me of that kind of player. He was a bit marauding. He was a bit difficult to tackle. He was a, a maverick, a bit like, you know, Hock was. And then he, he seemed to go backwards. And then we let him go out on to, to Hull KR, didn't we? And we you know, we had the, the, the swap deal with, with Daniel Murray and all that kind of stuff. And then when he came back, he seemed, he seemed disinterested to me. I don't know what it was. He didn't have that, that that sort of vibe about him. But then 
like you say, the last few weeks, he seems to have changed again. Mm. And I think he got, I think there may have been a few words behind the scenes about his discipline uh, and how much he's actually, you know, concentrating on, on, on rugby league and doing his job. And then all of a sudden he's just switched and he, he seems like, a, like Paul said there, he's been, you know, he's been around a while now, but he's, he seems like a senior player in that pack now. Mm. And he's trying to make a mark and he's, he, he's trying to keep his nose clean. And if he does that, I've seen it in the past. He has got he has got talent. There's no doubt about it. And he's a proper second rower. But he's just got to put it together now and use it, you know, that maturity and 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 hopefully, you know, stay fit and he can he, he can probably boss around that second row. He did score a wonder try against Warrington about was it two or three years ago? He's got wonderful pit feet, you know, super super quick. Uh, when he gets in open spaces, just need him on the edges, really. If you can get him on an edge, he can go. Um so yeah. Obviously, our, our only second role, so it's such an important role uh, for him at the moment till we get some more bodies back. So let's let's talk about the reserves now, uh, Paul. Two games for them since our last podcast. They've travelled to London and drew 30-all. Tries from Henry Davis, Nathan Taylor, Jack Stevens, uh, Matty Unsworth and Josh Rock. Four goals from Callum Green. 30-all draw at London. Yeah, it's a tough place to go, London. Um, we, we said that, didn't we, to go down there and get... Uh, Get a draw is probably not, not a bad result, and um, no, they, they finally defeat the reserves, aren't they? Um, let's say it right, they've, they've not played that long together. Have there's a lot of new players in there, and uh, well, Danny Barton seems to be moulding a, a decent side there. I mean, I know the Huddersfield game at the weekend they, they were beaten, but Huddersfield are a, a good side. They had some decent players in the in their lineup, so uh, it's good. It's just good that they're playing, and, we, and we've got that reserve team in place, really. To be honest with you, and. Uh, no, I think it's vital. It's vitally important, you know, for us going forward to have those players in our in our pool. We've not got the biggest squad in the world, so if we've got a re- we have got a reserve team. We've got a team for players on the fringes to play, and I think it's only a good thing. But no, I think the the draw down in London was uh, was no mean feat, really. It was a, a hard working display. Yeah, they were 18-4 down at one point, Parker. So to to get back to level scores and tie the game shows character for me. Yeah, well, I think we said last week, when, well, the week before when we were previewing it, that going down there was going to be difficult, travelling on the day and, and everything. I think the trouble is you get off the coach down there, you get a bit stiff, whatever. It might take a while to get into a game. You know, it's not, it's not going to be easy. Um, so to be behind... Isn't really a surprise, but like you say, to come back in the way they must have done, um, and, and and get a point out of the game is, you know, it's full credit to them. Like like Paul said, there, this is still a new team; they still getting used to each other. It's it's going to take, you know, it might take a couple of years for this this team to develop. And obviously, not all them players will stay together, but that nucleus of of, of what we need, you know, if they can start to bond and learn off each other and, and become a proper team, who knows. Uh, and then you start adding, you know, a couple more in. As hopefully, as as the first team gets stronger, the reserves will get stronger, and that's you know that's that's where they've got to go with it. But um, no, it's, it's encouraging. It's going to take time. We haven't had reserves for I don't know how long now. You know, is it ten, twenty years? I don't know. So it's going to take time to put together and find the right players. And and as we go, certain players will drop off and new ones will come in. But we just got to get game time in the lads and, and, and see what, you know, get them tested at that level before we even, you know, even dream of getting them up into the first team squad. And, and, and you know, I mean, Jack Stevens scored again there. And what I've seen of him, I think he's a tremendous player. And fingers crossed he can continue, continue to develop within that, that setup and, 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 you know, start to mould into the first team. But 
it's going to take a while before we see the fruits of that labour, but, you know, they can only do what they can do at the moment. Yeah. And then they faced Huddersfield this week and lost 38 points to 14. Tries from Nathan Taylor, Jacob Lee and Lewis Hall. Goal from uh, Ascari. Uh, they basically poor. They were 12-0 down after 15 minutes. They battled back with a try from Nathan Taylor. Then, obviously, Huddersfield found another gear. We kind of got a couple of late tries to, to sort of make the score a bit more respectable. But Huddersfield are a good side. So, it's uh, it was a tough day at the, uh, at the office for the Reds. Yeah, it was. I, I know... Um... Huddersfield supposedly got a good youth set up there, haven't they? You know, Ian Watson talks about that, doesn't he? And they've had some decent players come through to their first team, and uh, and yeah, it was going to be it was always going to be tough going there, wasn't it? So there's promising signs, though. Like like Paggy said there about Jack Stevens, he's a very very exciting player, and he's a player I've enjoyed watching, and he's one of those that you just keep in your eye on now and hoping he can he can get that, you know, that jump into the first team. I mean, Mark Sneed's not getting any younger, is he? And if, if Jack Stevens can can learn off players like Mark Sneed and, and, and Chris Atkin, Brodie Croft, and, and he can learn his craft and, and, and make his way into the first team. I think that, for me, that's what it's all about. I mean, I know Jack, I think he's, I'm sure he's a Wiganer. I think his dad's a Wiganer anyway, because he follow, me and I follow his dad on Twitter and he follows me. But um, I'm, I'm sure he's from that neck of the woods. But even though he's not a Salford lad, if he's not, to, to come through the system at Salford and then go on to the first team, that's what we're all striving for. Right? I mean, when you get players like that, it, it, those, those players, I mean, look at Niall. Look at the time he had at Salford. I mean, I was so disappointed when Niall left. Not not just because he was a quality player, but because he was like the fabric of the club. And you'd sort of grown up watching him and seeing him develop. And then he, he's just one of you then, isn't he? He's one of us. Um, and I think you get that when you get a player coming through the system. So for me, not Jack Stevens as well, some of the other players in the reserves, I, I've really got my eye on those guys. And I, I'd love to see some of them uh, blossom and come into the first team in the near future. Yeah, I like uh, Jacob Lee. I think he's about six foot five. He's about seventeen. He's Welsh, second row. Scored, I think, in Lee Mossman Lee Mossman's testimonial. Scored again at Huddersfield. He is a unit parker, uh, and he'll he'll take some stopping when he get when he gets near the line. And also uh, Nathan Taylor. We spoke to him on a previous podcast when he played for England mm. students. I think against the Great Britain teachers. Um, so he scored two in two games as well. Well, if we can if we can bring through some forwards with a bit of bulk. Mm. Um, I think that's that's the key for us right now, isn't it? Because we don't we can't go out and just sign huge players or anything like that. That's that's what we need. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. I've not like, I've not seen much of the reserves this, this year. Um, obviously, I've I've seen the odd bit and you know the, the friendlies and, and that kind of thing. But uh, it'd be interesting to see how they do develop. But we if we've got this, this these promising players, especially the Welsh lads that we brought, because I know there's a lot of a lot of hope and I've heard I heard really good things about them before we signed them, but we needed to go out and, and land these lads before somebody else comes in and gets them. Um, so hopefully we can see them develop and, and get them in the first team. Uh, I know they're only young and, and inexperienced in, in the game and that's that's a different side of it, you know, the physical side and the actual understanding the game and, and how it flows at that level. But, um, you know, in, in the next couple of years, hopefully, we can bring these lads through. We're not going to be in this position again where we start a season with... You know, you're looking at you're looking around at your pack, going, "Well, who's you know? We haven't got any size or anything." And you can bring these kids in who are massive. You're only going to get bigger. You know that that's what we've lacked for a long time, I think. And uh, yeah, I look forward to to, to seeing it, and uh, hopefully we get to see the lads 
the reserves play, uh, you know, before a first team game at some point, even after a first team game. Yeah. Um, again, you know, make a day of it, and we can all stay around and you know make make your own opinion on the lads. Yeah. So that's all the chat about the two games. Now we'll look at what's happening with the news with the club this week. So, news this week, Paul. The Easter uh, ticket office times have changed slightly. No late night Thursday this week. It's open 10 till 4, Friday 9 till 2, and Saturday 9 till 12. So, opportunity for fans to nip down and get tickets uh, for matches. Yeah, definitely. Don't forget the Warrington games Thursday. Isn't it? So, if you want your tickets for that, you need to get down this, this week, don't you, for that mm-hmm. game. And, uh, you know, we always take a good following there. I mean, I saw I saw Warrington panicking on Twitter saying it could be the lowest crowd they've ever had. Some of their supporters were saying, I think the lowest Super League crowd there was about 3,200 or something. I thought, wow. every time we every time we go there, it's always there's always a big crowd there at Warrington. We always take about, oh, I'd say 1,500 in that in that stand there. So perhaps we're underestimating us a little bit, but um, I enjoy going there. Obviously, it's a fantastic atmosphere there. We had some good wins as well. I mean, we, we had a few thumpings along the way, but we generally seem to do all right in that game. So, yeah, get your tickets. I mean, that'll be a top game, that that Thursday night, get your ticket, you'll enjoy it. And then obviously the Catalans game on, on, on Monday, Catalans are a good side, aren't they? Coming off the back of a, of a French derby. And I mean, I must admit, I'm looking forward to, to watching that Toulouse against Catalans game. I'm going to, I'm going to take that on Sky. It's Thursday night. And that, that should be something special that to, to watch. And, you know, look, watching them two not seven bells out of each other, we might give us a chance against, uh, against Catalan on Monday, but yeah, get, get down and get yourself some tickets. Cause, uh, you know, Easter Rugby League, as I said before, it's, it's special. And where the looks are right as well. So, Bank Holiday Monday at Salford mm-hmm. against Catalan. It should be a good day. Yeah. Uh, VX3, Parky, have, have been listening to you, please. And they've brought out the uh, the free tea worth £28 if you purchase a replica shirt. So, all our listeners should be on the old interweb purchasing the shirts. It's on the offers on till midnight uh, Sunday, I think. So hopefully a lot of people will be treating themselves over Easter. Well, yeah, it's, it, you know, you get a free T-shirt, which, like you say, is 20, 28 quid. I mean, you're buying, you're buying your replica shirt for half price, basically. Mm. Um, you know, we're not even halfway through a season. I mean, that's usually you get these deals towards the end, don't you, where they're selling off the stock. But this, you can't, they can't do anything wrong. They've got the magic shirt there. You know, we, we're nowhere near playing that yet. So you can get that early. I mean, that, Again, they're trying, aren't they? They're really trying to, you know, get. I think it, obviously it benefits everybody, doesn't it? The club and, and themselves. But uh, oh, it's a good deal. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I think the shirts like what are they? Fifty quid. Mm. You're paying twenty eight quid. You're getting a free shirt for twenty eight quid as well that you can you can wear. And like Paul said, the weather seems to be bucking up a bit, so might be t shirt weather soon. So yeah, no, brilliant. Well done to them and, and the club for you know for getting the deal on. On Thursday, Warrington and Salford have come together uh, to promote the opportunity for fans to bring non-perishable food to the ground to to obviously provide for food banks for fans, people obviously struggling. It's tough times for everyone, Paul. So if you've got no, any non-perishable food, if you if you want to help your fellow fan out, uh, pop down. It opens at six thirty. The collection points at the uh, Halliwell Jones Stadium. So. Do what you can and help your fellow man and woman. Yeah, yeah. What? What? Forgive my ignorance. What's non-perishable food like tin stuff yeah, and tin stuff food. that don't go off? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good cause. Good cause. I mean, yeah, it's difficult at the moment without being too political. It's. I think people. 
in general are struggling, aren't they, with the way bills are going and that. I mean, I, I get people moaning at me all day long at my job saying, oh, why is the gas bills going up and all that? It's like, I say to them, well, I don't get it for free. You know, <laughs> I have to pay as well. But I can understand where people are coming from, you know, think things are dear and it's it's difficult, isn't it? But if you, you know, if you, can, if you can't afford to eat, then you are in a real state, aren't you? So people, you know, might really need that, you know. So uh, if you can help out and bring something, it's a, it is a good cause because you don't want children and, and elderly people and people like that not being able to eat food and that. So, uh, so yeah, good good cause, that. Yeah, obviously, rugby league people coming together over Easter. Hopefully, they'll get a lot of uh, donations and the people will be able to obviously enjoy their Easter. Yeah, well done to Well done to, to Warrington for that. Um, you know, you full credit to her. Uh, there's a lot of people out there really struggling. You know, every I mean, everybody seems to be struggling now, but there are people out there you don't realise how how little they really get and how much they've you know little they've got. And uh, no fair play to Warrington. It's good that I mean, you know, I, I don't suppose it's very easy for for many Salford fans to cap stuff down if you you know you get in the train or something like that or a bus. It's you know, but I hope some people can can do that but um no fair play to them you know it's like we say it's all about the community rugby league it's uh you know both y- your own community and your own towns and cities and and the game itself how it looks after each other um it's one thing that we we, we should be rightly proud of in in the game that the, we do look out for each other i mean you know you see what what rugby league community done for for rob burrow and mossy Massar and people like that you know I mean we, we do look after each other so uh, as much as we you know we, we have these intense rivalries with each other at the end of the day you know we're all the same aren't we with rugby league fans I think so uh, no fair play to Warrington for that and I hope, I hope they, uh, they get some stuff in yeah I looked on uh, on Twitter Paul Canazzi Rhino's little he's called Lewis broke his arm um, obviously, we hope he recovers soon and gets back playing the game that that, that we all love. Oh, I'm sure he will. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a bad and breaking. You know, I'm breaking my arm when I was about 13 playing football, and uh, you think it's the end of the world, and it, it was. It was bloody painful. So, uh, so I, I understand what he's going from. I remember doing mine, and uh, I I had mine put in plaster, and I could move the plaster down. So when I was at home. Oh. I could do bits and bobs. When I went to school, I could pull it forward so I didn't have to do any writing at school. <laughs> so, so I fiddled my way around. But I remember doing it. I played football. I went home to my dad. My dad grabbed hold of my arm and he says, uh, Paul, he said, there's nothing wrong with you. And I went, oh, dad, I think I broke my arm. I need to go to the hospital. He went, nah, you just jarred it. He said, get, get him some peas out of the freezer. <laughs> anyway, they took me to the hospital and I broke it in like three places. Yeah. So, uh, so thanks a lot for that, Dad. So, yeah, I understand what the lad's going through there. So, uh, speedy recovery, mate. And uh, I'm sure he'll be back playing for Caddy Dead sooner rather than later. I broke my arm falling off a rope swing parquet, sat on my arm, they made like an S-bend out of my wrist, went to the hospital, got it straightened out on my dad and uh, obviously put me out. And this Cockney doctor came up to my dad and he, he said to him, are you Rob's dad? But in a Cockney accent, it sounded like you're Rob's dead, which blew his <laughs> mind at, at one point. <laughs> he always talks about it. Um, but it was really one of the most painful moments of in my whole life. And the worst thing was, as I had pins in my, uh, in my wrist and um, the pins were like set between the two bones. So when it got time to taking the pins out, they had to kind of, kind of pull it out. It was about, I would have been 15, maybe 14, 15 at this point. So the doctor and the nurse held me down and then tried to pull it, but wouldn't go. So then they had like three or four other people trying to hold me down while they pulled it out. And uh, it was the first time I swore in front of my mum. 
there's a there's a fact for you, um, which was which was unbelievable. Um, have you ever broken anything, Parker? Yeah, I broke my arm, broke my wrist actually, falling out of a tree. Oh yeah. Um, I thought it was quite cool actually when I had the, the plaster on because it was about the same time as Gary Lineker had some strapping on his arm in the World Cup in '86, I think. Um, so I felt a bit Gary Lineker-ish. Yeah, I was only a youngster then. I wasn't much of a tree climber. I don't know what I was doing in the tree. It was actually at the back of the old um, willows, uh, the squash centre that used to be facing facing the willows. I don't know why I was in a tree. I don't know what I was doing, but my best mate at the time managed to drag me home on some uh, lino. Uh, I dragged, literally dragged me down the back alley. I, anyway, very, very bizarre situation. But no, going back to, to, to the incident, I mean, you know, it, sadly, it's, you know, he's happened, but he's, uh, he's learned earlier that rugby league's a tough sport. You know, and you, you do get these these bumps and bangs, but hopefully he'll be back uh, back training soon, and uh, you know, showing off his his his, uh, his arm to everybody, and uh, you know, getting back in the game. Um, but yeah, no speedy recovery to the lad. I know what it, we all know what it feels like, Bellas. Now, and a bit, it's not it's not a nice feeling, but um, no, good luck to the kid, and hope, hope he gets back soon. Yeah. yeah. Final bit of news. I thank everybody who's donated uh, coffees through our Kofi phone fund. Uh, Lou, Dom, Andy Lancashire, uh, Banners, Mike, Glennis, all donating coffees and helping us uh, fund the podcast. Can't can't uh, say how much I appreciate that. And uh, you know, thanks for everything and thanks for the for the money. And we'll uh, put it to good use on, on the podcast. So that's all the news. And now we'll look at what's happening in the world of rugby league with Paul Whiteside. Here is this week's Devil in the Detail amateur report. We'll start off with the National Conference League this week. Rochdale Mayfield in the Premier Division on Saturday the 9th of April were beaten away from home against Lock Lane by 24 points to 10. Rochdale Mayfield start to the season. Six matches, two wins and four defeats in that Premier Division. So it's been a tough start for Mayfield. Moving on to Division 1. Saddleworth Rangers had a good win. They beat Featherstone Lions at home by 34 points to 22. That's their first win of the season. So they've won one from five now. So tough start for them as well, but a good victory over Featherstone Lions. Moving on to Division 3, it was Oldham St. Anne's 38, Lee's 14. Waterhead Warriors went down at home to Bentley 30 points to 4, but Waterhead Warriors had to play in 18 because their first team was competing in the Barla National Cup final, which we'll talk about next. So yeah, they were beating 30 points to 4 at home to Bentley, but the first team had a triumph in the National Cup. They won at the Millennium Stadium, or Post Office Road as it's known to me and you in Featherstone. They beat Sharston Rovers by 42 points to nil. So congratulations to Waterhead Warriors. They've won the Barla National Cup final. There was over 1,000, 1,500 people, 1,009 people there so uh, so a great game there they led at half time by 18 points to nil and uh, had a really big win in front of a big crowd so congratulations to Waterhead Warriors and let's hope they can bring that form into uh, into the league this season Moving on to the Northwest Men's League, there was quite a lot of no results in the postponements. I'm not too sure why, but I'll give you the scores of what we did have. Don't forget, there's no fixtures this week because of the Easter holidays, but the fixtures from last weekend, it was Division 1, Hindley 14, Folly Lane 6, Berry Broncos, Nil Hairs Finch 36, that was in Division 1. There's a couple of scores elsewhere. Division 4, South and East, Langwood the Reds 20, Burtonwood Chargers 28, and in Division 5, it was Preston and South, Ribble Rabbitohs 24, Tameside Knights 16. 
Well, we'll move across now to Australia. It's a long way to move across from a rugby league. We'll go over to Australia and we'll have a look at the NRL. It was round five in the NRL Premiership. Got some scores for you. It finished Newcastle Knights 6, Manly Seagulls 30. New Zealand Warriors 25, North Queensland Cowboys 24. Canberra Raiders 16, Melbourne Storm 30. South Sydney Rabbitohs 24, St George Irrawarra 12. Elsewhere, St George, uh, sorry, Brisbane Broncos 20, Sydney Roosters 24. Gold Coast Titans 20, Parramatta Eels 26. Cronulla Sharks, they beat West Tigers again. Their search goes on for a, for a win, West Tigers. They were beating 30 points to four at Cronulla. And Canterbury Bulldogs 12, Penrith Panthers 32. So that leaves the league table. West Tigers are currently bottom with the, with four defeats from their, their, their matches so far. Penrith Panthers stay top. They're the only side who's unbeaten in the league. Five wins from five. Cronulla Sharks, second place, Melbourne Storm, Parramatta, Sydney Roosters, Manly Seagulls, New Zealand Warriors and North Queensland Cowboys make up the uh, the playoff places. The fixtures for this week on Thursday, Canberra Raiders face North Queensland Cowboys. Friday, South Sydney Rabbitohs against Canterbury Bulldogs. Penrith Panthers at home to Brisbane Broncos. On Saturday, there's two matches. Manly Seagulls face Gold Coast Titans. Melbourne Storm face Cronulla Sharks. Sunday, Sydney Roosters are at home to New Zealand Warriors. St George Illawarra Dragons entertain Newcastle Knights. And finally, the action gets wrapped up on Monday when Parramatta Eels host the West Tigers. Well, moving on, it was a Challenge Cup quarter-finals at the weekend just gone. They're down to the last four now. Catalan Dragons 20, St. Helens 36. Huddersfield Giants beat Hull FC 24 points to 16. Hull Kingston Rovers beat Castleford 34-10. And Wakefield Trinity went down at home to Wigan Warriors by 36 points to 6. So I believe the draw has pitted Wigan against St. Helens and Hull Kingston Rovers against Huddersfield for a place in the final at Tottenham Hotspurs uh, Stadium. Not Wembley this season, it's at Tottenham, but sure, will be two cracking semi-finals there and, and a great final in the AB Sundex 1895 Cup playoff Sheffield Eagles beat Whitehaven Warriors by 40 points to 6 in the Betfred Championship Bradford Bulls 22 Barrow Raiders 23 uh, that was a round 4 game last Monday Newcastle Thunder were beaten by tw- uh, sorry won 12 points to 6 against against Widnes that was a round 7 fixture last Monday and in the Betfred League 1 it was round 3 Cornwall 14 Midlands Hurricanes 60 Doncaster 22 Swinton Lions keep their good run going they won 64 points to 22 at Doncaster Th- played 3-1-3 top of the table Swinton London Scholars 6 North Wales Crusaders 54 Oldham 100 West Wales Raiders 4 Rochdale Hornets 44 Hunslet 20 the fixtures for this week I'll read them all out to you because it's Easter and uh, there's loads of games going on so we'll start off on Thursday night Super League Catalan Dragons face Toulouse Olympic Leeds Rhinos are at home to Huddersfield Giants Wakefield face Castleford and Warrington play our very own Salford Red Devils 8 o'clock at the Ellie Jones Stadium Thursday night on Good Friday Hull Kingston Rovers face Hull FC at 12.30 at 3 o'clock it's St. Helens against Wigan in the derby uh, in the championship on Good Friday Batley Bulldogs play Dewsby Rams another derby match the Heaven Woolen derby as they call it Bradford Bulls face Halifax Panthers and another derby clash Featherstone Rovers are at home to Barrow Raiders Widnes Vikings play Lee Centurions in Betfred League 1 massive match between Rochdale Hornets and Oldham that's a 3 o'clock kickoff. Hunslet plays Keithley Cougars in another derby match some cracking games here on Good Friday and uh, Easter Saturday Sheffield Eagles play London Broncos Newcastle Knights face Newcastle Thunder that's in the Championship in Betfred League 1 Doncaster hosts Cornwall on Easter Sunday 
Sunday, the 17th of April, Whitehaven play Workington in another Cumbrian derby there. Midlands Hurricanes face London Scholars. There's a big game also in Betfred League 1 between Swinton Lions and North Wales Crusades. They're both top played 3 1 3. That should be a cracking match down at Haywood Road. And on Easter Monday, there's some Super League fixtures. <coughs> Excuse me. Casford Tigers face Leeds Rhinos. Huddersfield Giants are at home to St. Helens. Hull FC face Warrington. Salford are at home to Catalan Dragons. Toulouse Olympic face Hull Kingston Rovers. And Wigan Warriors face Wakefield Trinity. So at the moment, Featherstone Rovers top the Championship. Swinton Lions top League 1. St. Helens are top of the Super League. That's all I've got for you. I'll see you on Thursday night, hopefully, for Warrington against Salford. Take care. Have a great week. So that was Paul's world look at rugby league and now we'll look forward to the game on Thursday against Warrington it's time for the so good Friday good Thursday Parky Warrington away Warrington are in a bit of a, a bit of a sticky place at the moment opportunity for us to uh, yeah, very much so. I think the, the the key is the good start. We need to get after a good start and put some doubt in their minds, get their fans to, to turn on them, you know, that kind of thing. It's the same in every sport all the time. If we give them a, a leg up, that might be the boost they need for the season. You know, so we can't we can't afford to be sitting back and, and letting them score two or three tries before we've even got out of the blocks. Um it's always a, a, a good good occasion, and it when we play wire. Um, you know, I, I remember going back to the eighties. You know, even back then, it was it, it seemed to be a bit of an event. Um, but in the last, well, certainly since Super League, it seems to have developed a lot more the, the rivalry and, and everything. Um, they are on a bad run, but like I said earlier, I, I still think that they'll come good. I think it's all new to a new coach, you know, and, and, and new to Powell as well. But they have got a good team there. They've got a great squad. Um, and I think if, if they can they can put it together, I think they'll still be in the, the play. I mean, I look at the playoffs for, for the end of the season. And I, I see Saints, you know, obviously clear, clear miles away. We're going to do it OK. Uh, there's a few teams bobbing around there, but I think I think Warrington could be the team that could come good. Somebody always does make a late run, um, and I think it might be them. Um, I, we, we've got a chance because we have. If we start well, and like I say, put a bit of doubt in their minds, get on top. The weather's going to be good, you know, so we should be we should be okay because we, we're not like I say, we don't rely on big forwards. So to move the ball about, the ball handling's got to be spot on. Um, but yeah, no, I think overall we 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 we've got a chance. We we have their their confidence will be on the floor at the moment, a lot lower than ours. You know the expectation that's on them, and their fans will turn up. You know, expecting a win this Thursday, expecting a response. Um, and if they don't get one early in the game, who knows what what mood they could be in? But um, it, it's going to be tough for us. You know, let's not you know kid ourselves that. You know, it'd be any kind of uh, any kind of walkover. Uh, I think their, um, I think their 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 sort of eagerness to to please their coach and their fans will see them start like a house on fire, and that's what we've got to put out. And then, you know, hopefully go away and score the first couple of tries and and to put the put the game in our favour. But um, it'd be interesting the team again. I don't know if anybody's coming back. If anybody's fit. You know, how he's going to change the, the pack about, I don't know. But 
But uh, no, it's going to be a good game and a good a good day, uh, a good evening. And like I say, if the, if the weather can stay like like it has done today, it's not been too bad later on in the day. Uh, it could be a you know a really good evening for the fans as well. Yeah, Daryl Powell under pressure. Paul obviously struggled at Warrington. Was the king of the castle at Castleford. He's uh, he asked all he asked whether he tried to organise a, a, a drink with the travelling Warrington fans who went to I think it was Ulkiar and got and watched them get hammered. Um, it's kind of an unorthodox approach that for a coach. Yeah, to, to be honest, I think the main problem at Warrington for me confidence, um, and I think perhaps. They've mentioned about the culture and that, and I, I'm an outsider looking in here, um, so I might be wrong. And Warrington supporters, who are, if they do listen, might think Paul, you're talking rubbish. But I think Warrington, I think there's a bit of a champagne culture, or there has been, and I think there's probably players in that squad there that think the world owes them a living, and they're not willing to work. And it just comes across to me as that. Um, and I think Daryl Powell's trying to change that because he, he certainly had that at Castleford. They all worked for each other and they all pulled in the right direction. They were underdogs a lot of the time and he did a good job then. I think to go into Warrington there, you've got an awful lot of expectation on your shoulders um, every year. They're expected to do well. And it's probably difficult to turn that round because when you're expected to do well, obviously some of the players must think, oh, we're expected to do well. We don't have to work as hard as the other players or the other team. So perhaps that's where they are at the moment. But I think for them it is confidence. I think if they were to get a win, everything could change round. So, you know, they come out against us, get an early try, confidence goes through the roof, the supporters get on the back. That That's how things go. For us, like Parky said, he's bang on. You've just got to put that fire out because they're going to come at you like a whirlwind, aren't they? So you've got to withstand that pressure. It's going to be like the Alamo early doors in that game. Withstand that pressure, quieten the crowd down, take the sting out of them. And we've got players in our squad that can do damage because let's have it right, Warrington can't defend. Their defence is just as bad as ours. So we've got we've, there'll be chances in that game. I, I can see it being a high-scoring contest, but let's not take Warrington for granted, though. They've got some quality players. We've got to keep them quiet and just... I think for us, if we're part of roller, I'd just be saying to the players, let's, let's not worry about them. Let's just concentrate on our own game. Let's be solid. Let's be tough. Let's 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 want it. Let's want this game more. Let's be hungry for this game. You know, sod Warrington. We can't control what they do. We can control what we do. We can control our attitude. Let's go out there and play like this is a cup final and you know, give the supporters a, a really good Easter. So, um, you know, and if Warrington beat us, then that's off to and they beat us. But we've got to go out there and give it our all. Yeah, the 34 people listening in Warrington Park, you'll be looking forward to it. I'm sure there'll be a few search with Reds in that number as well. So it'll be a good good game, hopefully a big following from Salford and a good day. Yeah, yeah. well, we have, we have got quite a few... Uh... Salford fans in, in Warrington that I know of, so uh, hopefully some of them that are listening. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I, I think going, going back to what Paul was saying there about Warrington as a, as a club and a, the culture, I think it's been the same for, for a long time. They go out and, and make these big signings. I, I don't think they make the signings to fit the team. I think they make signings to make headlines sometimes and not the right players. And one, one thing that stands out, we mentioned it before, is the likes of Harvey Lovett. They, they just farm out these young kids that they bring through with real talent, given the chance, but then they'll sign a bigger name to take that person's place. And it doesn't work like that. You, you've got to build it. I mean, you know, I, I'm not uh, I, I'm not a Man United fan, but I look at the Manchester United team at the moment and think that that's the same kind of thing. They've signed big headline players, but how do they fit into what you want as a team? What's your What's your ethic? What's your plan? You know, and I don't think Warrington have had one for a long time. Going back to 
you know, I mean, even before they started signing the likes of Alfie Langer, you know, back to uh, Phil Blake in the 80s and Steve Ropes, Les Davis and people like Massive headline names, but it didn't really work with the rest of the team. It didn't, it didn't fit. And that's, that's a complaint for Warrington. If they ever get it right, I think they could be unstoppable. I really do. I think the money they've got behind them, they've got a good supporter base, you know, everything's going for them. If they ever do click, they'll be, they, they could be a dominant force. But I think they need to get away from this. And I think Powell will do this because he was good at Cassett doing this. Getting away from just going out and signing big names doesn't always work. Some players that you sign with big names have been there and done it. Don't need to do it again. So I think with Warrington, get, get back to basics. In the next couple of years, they'll, they'll, they'll really dominate. Um, but as it is at the moment, I think they just they keep falling for that, that pattern all the time. And, just keep hold of a few of them, few of them younger lads. Uh, bring them through. They've got a decent. I mean, the, the amateur system around Warrington, right through the youth, youth systems, incredible. So no excuses for them really. Uh, they're in a completely different league to us in that way. Um, but yeah, no, uh, you know, going on to the game when we get in the park, we're all level, aren't we? It doesn't matter what they've got, how much money they've got in the bank. It's about our players just muscling up and, and getting stuck in. Score prediction off you, Paul. Um, I think I, I was going to. I was speaking to my dad about it today, and I, I, I told him a score, and he went, "Are you right?" And I went, "Yeah, I think it'll be tight." And he went, "There'll be more points in it than that." So <laughs> I changed my mind. So I've got to. I've got to call um, Salford, uh, Warrington twenty-four, Salford twenty-eight. 24-28, Salford. How about you, Parker? Yeah. Um, wow, that's a tough one, isn't it? I mean. My, my head definitely says a Warrington win. I, I just think that they're due. That they're not. I can't see their losing streak going on any longer. But who knows? But as I want a Nando's, <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw out. Uh, I'm going to throw out a score. Um, I'll, I'll say Warrington. I don't want to go too close to Paul here, do I? Really? Yeah. I'll tell you what, Warrington twenty-eight. Right. Salford 34. 28-34. I think a lot of I'm going to go. Yeah. Big Salford oh. win. Bonington's season capitulates in front of their very eyes on Thursday. I'm going to go. Bonington 10, Salford 36. <clears throat> Tim Lafay hat-trick. Sends, uh, that. sends the Salford, travelling Salford fans dancing down Bridge Street for a good night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, that's the end of this week's podcast. I know we've got a bank game on Bank Holiday Monday, so we'll see if we can sort something out uh, before then. So we talk about uh, the the Catalan game. Great show, uh, Parking, Another great show talking all things Salford. Yeah, it's been good to be good to be back um, after a week sabbatical there. Uh, yeah, no, really good. Considering we had no game this week, we've done okay. Mm. Uh, I think uh, we, we, with the discussion and like you say, now we've got two games back to back. In rapid time, and then you know another game after that. It's uh, it's getting exciting now, isn't it? But uh, yeah, no, been been really good. Yeah, super excited about Thursday, uh, Paul, and it's going to be a uh, good fun. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, really looking forward to Thursday. Can't wait for it. I've got a uh, got a preview to write for the Catalan game. I've done the Warrington one, so the preview for the Catalan game will be my next bit of homework this week after work. So uh, so yeah, looking forward to Thursday, lads. Can't wait. 
Brilliant. Big fact you this week's uh, Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Paxson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in the Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITDSRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify, and YouTube. See you next week. <laughs>